Hey friends, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to personally welcome you to our podcast. At TC, we exist to see people transformed from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. Christmas at TC. Let's jump straight into it today. Man, it's that season. How many of you guys know it's that season? Windows down, music up. Where y'all at? Come on. Where my windows down. What I love about being in Florida is no one else in the United States gets to do this in December. You know what I'm talking about? Like windows down, music up. And listen, I got 2% tint on my windows in my truck. Cops, don't pull me over. Okay, but I got I have 2% tint on my windows. So if my windows are up, you can't see me jamming. Okay, but most of y'all don't have 2% tint. And I pulled up at the red light next to some of y'all. So I see y'all going in. I don't know what you're singing, but it looks good. Okay, so I'm here to let you know. But, man, sometimes I'm jamming, y'all are jamming, you put on your favorite song on the way to work. How many know it makes you feel better? How many guys have ever put on one of your favorite worship songs and got caught up in the spirit of God in traffic? Any of y'all ever done that before? Got the ugly cry face going? <laughs> Tears are flowing. You can pull in the parking lot, you're like, I, got, I need five minutes to recollect myself. Anybody? anybody okay, yes, 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 boom, spirit filled. Bam, okay, no, I'm just but have any of you guys ever found yourself in that place where you were, like, you were caught up in a God moment and then someone cut you off in traffic and you went from holy to hood in half a second? Anybody ever? <laughs> Jesus, we were, move! Get out of the way! Okay, good. I'm not the only one, right? It's so funny to me because we, we could be out here just singing in the presence of God, and then we want to put someone else in the presence of God. Y'all know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Hands, rated E for everyone. You know, like, so just, yeah. And it's so funny to me because, you know, sometimes I just want to sing, it's Christmas time. We out here singing, joy to the, what in the world is going on? Right? Now, we laugh at that. But how many of y'all have ever thought life felt that way? Where you were vibing, things were good, the season was great. Like everyone's healthy, everyone's happy, you just got a raise at work. Come on, the McFlurry machine wasn't broken when you went, the hot now sign was on when you went. You're like, favor is falling upon me right now. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about, right? And then all of a sudden, a half a second later, bam, crazy happens. That person's losing their mind. That person's losing their mind. That family member that always texts you starts texting. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, how many of you have ever been in life where you were like, man, this world is, what in the world is going on? Right? And the thing is, is we've all been there and it's abundantly clear. It's obvious, right? That something is broken in this world around us. Am I right? And that's what I want to talk to you about. I'm actually going to start this Christmas series off probably a little differently than you've heard before because I want to help you understand something in your Bible. So the first, first half of today, I'm going, to, I'm going to teach a little bit, and then towards the end, I'm going to preach a little bit. My dad calls it treaching. Can I do that today? Is that all right? All right, then get your Bibles out, and let's, let's do this together. We're going to, actually going to turn to Genesis chapter 3. And in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, God creates the heavens and the earth. If you know this about your Bible, right? So God creates the heavens and the earth. He creates everything in it. He creates man. Things are good. And God looks at him and says, you can have all this. All this is yours. Just don't eat of that tree. What does he do? He eats of the tree. Right? 
And I want to show you something in Genesis chapter 3 as we unpack this a little bit and help you understand something about Christmas maybe you haven't thought of today. All right, let's go to verse 17. Then to Adam he said, God said, because you listened to the voice of your wife, no, men, that's not an excuse to blame everything on your wives. All right, just so we're clear. Well, she said, no, I'm just kidding. Because you listened to the voice of your wife and you've eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat from it, cursed is the ground you walk on because of you. With hard labor you shall eat from it all the days of your life. Right? Now, I want you to think about this for a second. Everything that Adam and Eve were promised that was going to be good and a blessing and abundance. So they were created and everything was right. And so they were going to get to partake in all of this goodness from God just because he wanted them to have it. And everything that they were going to have without working for, they were about to have because they were going to have to work for it. See, when, we're, when things were right with God, Adam and Eve, man, women, people, we didn't have to work hard, but because sin came into the world, we're going to have to work for all the things that we used to just have for nothing, right? Now, what do I mean by that? Food, shelter, clothing, but hear me, I'm also talking about something deeper than that. What about peace? What about value? What about validation, love, affection? What about belonging? You see, all of those things, how many of us have ever found ourselves working and looking for those things? And all of those things used to just come for free. They used to just be part of God's blessing when God created man, when God created people, when God created the earth. That was just part of what man got to have. But because sin entered the world, now you're going to have to work for what I used to just give you. And since then, we've been working for it. How many guys know some people that are way too thirsty on Instagram? They're looking for the thing they could have gotten in God the whole time. And so what we're talking about today is how we're looking for something that we think we should have. Let's go back to the verse and keep reading. Both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you. Yet you shall eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your face. You shall eat the bread. And so what God is saying is to get to the good stuff, now you got to go through the bad stuff. It used to just be easy, now it's going to be hard. Listen, Adam and Eve is a prime example of why it's always better to trust God's plan than indulge in your own pursuits. Let me say that one more time. It's always better to trust God's plans than indulge in your own pursuits. How many of you guys know our pursuits tend to get us in some weird places? Eight, nine, ten, rest of y'all, good, huh? Okay, perfect. So from that until now, things have gotten a little bit weird. Now I want to unpack this for you. Let's go to verse 15. Because God makes a promise to the devil at this point. Now some of y'all are like, this is the weirdest Christmas message I've ever heard in my life. We're getting there, but I want to help you, okay? So Genesis 3:15, God actually makes a promise to the devil. And this is what he says, and I will make enemies of you and the woman. <clears throat> so he's talking about Eve. I will make enemies of you and the woman and your offspring and her seed. Now when he says seed, he's talking about Jesus. Can I teach you guys for just a minute on how to read your Bible for a second? Is that okay? I'm going to do it anyways. I just, okay, cool. All right, perfect. 
So I will make enemies of you and the woman and your offspring and her seed, Jesus. And then he says this, you will bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. Now, what I want to do is unpack that for a second because God is speaking in a language that we have to unpack for a second to understand what he's saying, right? So he says, you will bruise his heel. Who is his? Jesus. You will bruise Jesus' heel. So what does that mean? Well, well what God is saying there is Christ in heaven is going to come into this earth. So part of the Godhead, part of who is there from all eternity, part of J- Jesus, the Christ who is in heaven, He's going to come, and he's going to come as a man. And when he comes as a man, he's going to come down. And and when he comes down, he's going to live for a while, but then you're going to bruise his heel. And that's a a metaphor, meaning you're going to create affliction in his body. In other words, you're going to become victorious over the natural part of him, but you don't know what's happening in the supernatural part of him. And so though you may bruise his heel, but guess what? It's not just a literal conversation about Jesus. It's also about Jesus' body because Jesus had a literal body, but Christ has a body too. Guess what that is? Us. So you may bruise his heel. So it's not just the affliction that the enemy would create on the body of Christ as in his physical body in Jesus. It's also talking about the affliction he would create in the body of Christ talking about us. How many of you guys have ever been afflicted by something the enemy did? Any of y'all ever had some problems? Any of y'all ever felt like the enemy had a plan for you? Anyone ever felt like he was trying to take you out? Anyone ever felt like you woke up one day and was like, what in the world? Is all of hell against me right now? Twelve of us. The rest of y'all, I need to come crash at y'all's house or something. Things must be great over there. I'm just kidding. I know you're nodding your heads. So there's an affliction against Jesus' body, but there's also an affliction against the body of Christ. But here's where it gets beautiful. He says, though you may bruise his heel, though you may afflict his body, though you may come against the body of Jesus and the body of Christ, though you may be successful in creating affliction, though you may bruise his heel, he will crush your head. In other words, everything that the enemy has brought against you may look like it's being successful. It may look like it's turning the corner. It may look like it's coming at you. But I'm here to tell you today that though it may look successful in the natural, there's something happening in the supernatural where the enemy gets his head crushed by the one that will defeat him. And so God has already made a promise that whatever may come against you, don't get too caught up in what's happening in the moment because there's always something happening when it looks like nothing's happening. Oh, let me say that again. It, oh, there's always something happening when it looks like nothing's happening. Any of y'all have been crying out to Jesus? Why are you letting me go through this? Why aren't you intervening? How come you're not doing anything? God says, I'm always doing something. It's just when you can't see me doing something, you got to trust that I'm doing something. And so he says, you will bruise his heel, but the one that's always victorious will crush your head. And I love this. Because Matthew Henry says it like this, when it comes to the sin of man, talking about Genesis chapter 3, talking about when, when Adam and Eve ate the fruit and sin entered the world by which it has affected all of us. When sin, when it comes to the sin of man, no sooner was the wound given than the remedy was revealed. In other words, no sooner was Jesus the Christ needed than was Jesus the Christ promised. The second sin entered the world, God had already pre-established the plan by which he would remove it. 
And I'm here to tell you today that for some of you, you think God's trying to figure things out as he goes. And I'm here to tell you, he's already figured it out. We think that God is looking at this world like, oh, did not see that coming. Like we think God's looking at our lives like, oh, man, he really went left. I thought he was going right there. Like I was confident he was going right there. Now what? I'm going to tell you, God's not figuring things out as he goes. Listen to me. Stop thinking about God like a janitor cleaning up messes behind Satan he couldn't prevent. Because that's not how he works. If it happens, it's because he destined it to happen or allowed it to happen. And if it does happen, that means he has a plan for letting it happen because he's going to get glory out of the ultimate thing that will happen because it happened. We'll keep going. So then, when we read Isaiah 7.14, and let's, let's go there. Then when we read, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. When we read that, what we're reading is the fulfillment. Uh, the, the prophet is declaring what God already declared in Genesis 3. So the prophet isn't saying something new. He's saying something old. So when the virgin conceives of a son, and you will call him Emmanuel, what he's saying is what God spoke in Genesis chapter 3 is still coming to pass. And then we go to Matthew 1, 20 through 3, and we see it again. Mary will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save people from their sins. Well, why do they need to be saved from their sins? Because of what happened in Genesis chapter 3. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet Again, and then they quote Isaiah, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So, from Genesis chapter 3 and before that. So before Genesis ever happens, into Genesis 3, God makes a promise that someone is coming that's going to fix it all. Then the prophet comes on the scene and says, someone is coming that's going to fix it all. And then in Matthew chapter 1, they show up again, someone is coming and he's going to fix it all. And then someone came to fix it all. And the whole reason for this season, it's way bigger than just a Jesus because we need him. No, 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 no. Jesus wasn't a temporary solution. Jesus was an idea in the process. Jesus wasn't someone that God was like, oh man, let's really do this because these people are just wild everything out. No, no, no. Jesus was the plan from the beginning all the way to the end, from Genesis to Revelation, from before time began till after time stops. I'm here to tell you right now, Jesus has always been the plan for our life. So when he came on the scene, he was the fulfillment of everything. And this is beautiful because when Jesus comes on the scene, he changes everything. And now I want to show you what does this mean for you? Like, that's a dope story. Thank you for clearing that up for me. What about me? I want to help you with that. Because God established a clause. Say clause. God established a clause. I'm not talking about the Santa clause. Okay, I'm talking. He established a clause in his covenant. Say covenant. You know what's better than a promise? A covenant. You know what's better than a contract? A covenant. And God put a clause in his covenant because his covenant was he was coming for his people. But the clause in the covenant is that he's bringing the one onto the earth that will create a way for his people. And today I want to talk to you about that because what we see in that opening is what I want to talk to you about right now. Three things that God does. Number one, 
I want you to understand that God has already established the plan. God has already established the plan. Listen to me. Your circumstances have not caught God by surprise. Your circum- whatever you've gone through, what you're going through, what's in front of you, none of it has caught God by surprise. Listen, the fall of mankind, sin entering into the world didn't catch God off surprise. Listen to me, listen to me. Neither did your pink slip. Neither did your doctor's report. Neither did your job loss. Neither did the fact that your degree fell through and you put all this work into it, but now you don't know what you're going to do. Listen, it hadn't got God caught by surprise. He's got it all figured out already. Just because you don't know what's going to happen to you because that relationship didn't work out, it didn't catch God off guard. It just caught you off guard. God's already got it figured out. And we have to understand that he's already got the plan because he's already worked it out. Listen to me. He's looking for you. Psalm, Psalm 37, 23 through 24 says it like this. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who has it all figured out. Is that what it says? No. The Lord makes firm the steps of those who listen to positive encouragement in a podcast. Is that what it says? The Lord makes firm the steps of those that have the most amount of self-help books. Is that what it says? The Lord makes firm the steps of those whose delight is in him. It's never been about what you can do. It's always been about who you trust in. The Lord makes firm the steps of those that delight him, though they may stumble. See, some of y'all think because you're stumbling, you're falling. Let me help you for a second. Though they may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I remember uh, I just recently started playing basketball again, took like a two and a half year hiatus. Not a good idea at 34 because it's been a while, right? And so I get out on the court, and it's so funny because now I look at people doing things. Like, I remember when I was 15, 16, I would look at, like, 30-year-olds, and they would be stretching before the game. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, I got to get And I would look at them and be like, what are these dudes like? You know what I'm saying? Like, these old heads, right? Now I'm 34. I'm out there like, ah, you know what I mean? Because it sounds like a bowl of Rice Krispies when I get up in the morning. Snap, crackle, pop. Oh, so, so, so I get out there. I'm going to play. And, like, so the, uh, a play is happening. The first time I've been on the basketball court in three years, right? So uh, a play is happening. And so I go to run, and, and, be, and, and it's been a while, all right? So, uh, and so I go to run. Someone passes me the ball. I go to dribble. That didn't quite go out as planned because it's been a while and so and then right at that point someone kind of pushed me from behind not like pushed me but like just gave me enough of a nudge right and so what happened is I start to fall forward because it's been a while right so I start to fall forward but somehow my feet stayed under me but I wasn't in control. Y'all ever seen something like that happen, right? So like I'm stumbling, but I can't fall, but I also can't stand up either. And so for like 30 feet, because it's been a while. I like I'm stumped like and so I'm like but I'm I'm heaved over and I'm listen I 40 feet down the court I finally like get it all together and I stand up and I'm looking at them like listen that was not an exaggeration y'all like everyone else on the court is like brother come on man I'm like listen it's been a while right so so like, so I, I like 
But y'all know what I'm talking about. That feel, like, if any of you that have done like athletic stuff and now you're in your 30s and 40s, that moment where your body's moving forward and your steps are happening, but you have no control over what's about to happen. And so you don't know if you're going down. You don't know if you're staying up. You just barely got it all together, right? Here's what I'm here to tell you. We laugh at that, but that's what Psalm 37, 23 through 24 looks like. Let's go back to it, shall we? Though he may stumble... Though in your life it may look like you don't have it all together just yet. Though in your life your feet are moving but you don't have control. Though you may stumble. Though you may feel like you're heaved over. Though you may feel like you're moving and you're not even sure if you're going to go down or you're going to go up or what's going to happen. Though you may stumble. What does it say? He will not fall. Because what happens? The Lord upholds him with his hand. Listen, I'm here to tell you that if you put your delight in God, if you put your delight in the Lord, if you, I don't have this all figured out. I don't know what the plan is, but I'm going to put my delight in Jesus. I'm here to tell you that even when you feel like you're stumbling, you won't fall because he'll hold you up. Even if it feels like you're going 40 feet down a basketball court with absolute no control over yourself. You will not fall. But then it goes another step further. David says in verse 25, look at this, he said, I was young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or the seed out begging for bread. In other words, he's saying if you put your delight in the Lord, it may get hard. You may feel like you're bent over running through life and don't know what's going to happen to you. You may not know what the outcome is going to be. But David then comes back and says, but I've been around a little while. I've seen a few things. And in everything that I've seen, I've never seen God forsake those that are his. I've never seen those whose delight is in him not know where their source was going to be coming from. I've, I've, I've been old and I've been young and now I'm old, but I've never seen seen God's people go without what he needed them to have. He'll always take care of those whose delight is in him because when our delight is in him, we're connected to the source that gives us everything. I'm here to tell you, God's got a plan. Your responsibility isn't to know the plan, it's to know the plan maker. So we come back to him, oh gosh, you got a plan. He's got a plan. Your neighbors say he's got a plan. Now I want you to say it like you believe it. Say he's got a plan. So he's got a plan, but here's the next part. Are you ready? So he's got a plan, but now God is revealing and reminding us of the promise. God is revealing and reminding us of the promise. How many of you guys are like, cool, I'm glad he gave me a promise, but I would love to know the purpose. How many of you guys have ever been like, if, if I just knew why, I'd be fine. If I just knew why I was going through this, I'd be okay. If I just knew why all these problems were happening, I'd be fine. Can I help you out for a second? How many guys, if that's you, raise your hand. If I, I've, I've said that. If I just knew why I was going through this, like I would be cool. Let me help you out for a second. No, you wouldn't. All right? We're all on the same page. Because your problem is your problem. I'm going to say it again. Your problem is your problem. You think not knowing is your problem, but your problem is your problem. And you think that if you knew why you were going through problems, you wouldn't have any problems. I'm here to tell you, your problems stay your problems if they are your problems, even if you know why you're having problems. If I knew why, I would be okay. No, you wouldn't. But the reality is, that's the first thing. You want to know what the second thing is? What if God doesn't want you to be okay? You're like, I'm never coming back for another Christmas message at Transformation Church ever again. (laughs) 
Let me, let me ask you a question. What if God doesn't want you to be okay? Because what if contentment is your demise? Let me help you for a second. As God helps me right now. Because the last time you quit going to church was when everything was okay. The last time you quit praying like you were supposed to was because everything was okay. The last time you quit reading your Bible was because everything was okay. See, contentment is our demise because when we get everything that we need, we forget the person that we need because we got the things that we need. So what if everything being okay isn't God's ultimate goal? What if everything being fine isn't what God wants for us? What if God, what God wants for us is that we would always be connected to the person that gets us through everything, even if we don't understand everything? See, being okay isn't God's goal. Us being connected to God who makes everything okay despite what the outcome is, is what's good for God. So it's good for us. See, the reality is we want to be okay, but God wants us to be connected to him. So what if being okay isn't what God wants for you? Let's go to Hebrews 13.5. He says, be content with what you have. Now, let me add this in there because this is what the writer is also trying to say. Be content with what you have and with where you are. For he said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. This is why, hear me, this is why the idea that Jesus is God with us, that's why this idea is so important. Because he's not a God that is somewhere, he's a God that's with us. So when you're going through what you're going through, you're not going through it alone. Because he's God with us. See, you don't always get to know why. Because hear me, if you knew why you were going through it, you'd stop looking at who God wants you to look at. If you knew why you were going through it, you'd stop looking at who God wants you to look at. Jesus is where our eyes should be fixed. That's why Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says this. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to who? Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. I could have done without that second part. Founder and perfecter of our faith. You want to know why? How do you perfect something? Test it. Mm. So how does Jesus perfect your faith? Test it. Oof. Some of y'all out there, nah, Brad. The Bible says he wouldn't test our faith. No, no, no. The Bible says he wouldn't tempt you. He didn't say anything about testing you. To tempt you is to let you fall into sin. To test you is... To build your faith. So he's the founder of our faith because he gives it to us, but he's also the perfecter of our faith because he tests it to ensure that it's true. So he's the tester of our faith. And I'll never forget, uh, I was hearing the story one time of these uh, these ladies, they were in a Bible study together. And so they were reading the passage of scripture where it says that uh, that he would Refine them like silver and they would come out pure as gold. If you've ever read that, it's in the Bible. He says that God would uh, refine them like silver. They would come out pure as gold. And I said, what does that mean? So the lady 
she goes to this, uh, like, goldsmith, if you will. And as she's going to this goldsmith, she's, she's there, and, and, and she goes up to him, and she's like, man, I'm just trying to figure out, like, what does, like, all of this mean? What is, I, where, I was with the ladies. We were trying to figure out what this passage means, the scripture, and, like, all this going on. Blah, blah, blah. Like, so she goes to the goldsmith, and she's trying to figure it out. And she's, she's going, what, what does this mean? Like, what is the process that you would purify a metal, Right? And so the, pro, she, so the goldsmith looks at her. And, and so when the goldsmith looks at her, he said, well, you got to understand what happens here. And she goes, well, well, what is it? He says, well, we take all the metal, the gold or the silver. So we take all the metal and we put it into the fire. Oh, let me help you. Some of y'all want to know why life keeps getting hard. Why do I feel like everything is burning down around me? <laughs> oh, why do, I think, think, why do I feel like things keep getting hot? Because you're getting put in the fire. So he says, we're getting put into the fire. And so he says, we put it in the fire. And then here, here's the thing. The purest parts are the ones that get closest to the heat. Ooh. And so the purest parts get close to the heat. He said, she says, okay, then what happened? He said, so we just let it sit there and boil. And, he, and she said, he said, eventually all the impurities come to the top. And once all the impurities get to the top, he said, then we come in and we skim off all the impurities off the top. See, some of us are trying to figure out why all the things in our life keep going crazy. And it feels like relationships and people are getting pulled out of our life. I'm here to tell you, don't be shocked when God puts you in the fire. And then in the fire, some things start to come to the surface that you didn't know were in there. See, God puts us in the fire. And then when he puts us in the fire, things come to the surface. When things come to the surface, that's where he can start pulling stuff out. So he starts pulling stuff out. But as he's pulling stuff out, out, he, he says, I'll skim it off the top. And so he, he, they, would, they would come in, they skim all the impurities off the top, and then he lets it sit. And once he sit, you got the purest thing possible. And hear me, for some of us, we're wondering why we keep going through life and we feel like things are getting hotter. And as things get hotter, people start, how many of y'all know people start disappearing when things get hard? Oh, that's crazy, right? Well, why would that be? Maybe because in the purification process, God's got to get some people out of your life that are going to keep making you filthy. So he skims off the top, and then as he skims off the top, you're left with the purest gold possible. The lady freaks out. She's like, this is beautiful. My friends are going to think I'm a genius. And she goes back to the small group to tell them about it. So she's going to get in her car. She goes to get into her car. She, she, she opens the door, and the, the goldsmith comes walking out into the parking lot. He's like, hey. She said, what? He said, don't you want to know the rest? She said, no, this is plenty. How <laughs> I many I know we, when we got enough of God? We're like, I don't want to know anymore. I'm good. He said, no, no, no. You need to know how I know when it's ready. And she goes, yeah. How do you know when it's ready? He said, the maker always knows when it's ready when he can see his reflection in it. I want to help some of you out for a second. And I'm getting into your life for just a moment, if that's all right. 
Some of you have wanted to know why you feel like you've been in there so long. Some of you want to know why you feel like you've been in the fire for way longer than you feel like it should have taken. And for some of you, you're holding on to things that God's trying to skim off the top. You're holding on to things that God's trying to get out of your life. But also, you're not letting your reflection, his reflection, show up in you. When God looks at you, he wants to see himself. But also when people look at you, God wants them to see him. And for some of us, we've diligently tried to keep our own identity so that when people look at us, they see us and not God. But the longer it takes for God's reflection to be seen in our life is the longer we stay in the fire. So let me help you out for a second. Lean in, you ready? Reflect him better. Let the world see God in you and he'll, it'll speed up the fire process. I'm not telling you you won't have problems. I'm not telling you life won't get hard. What I'm telling you is it'll speed up the process. So what does that look like? That's why Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 9. Paul, who, by the way, wasn't just a pastor that got to play golf every day. All right, just a quick rundown of his resume. Beaten, stoned, put in prison, shipwrecked, floated in the ocean for three days, stranded on an island, bitten by a snake. Homeboy had some things going on. This is what Paul says. We're hard pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but I'm not in despair. He says, we're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We may be struck down, but I'm not destroyed. Paul says, there may be a lot of things going on around me, but I know who's got me. And this is so important. Because God is showing us that there's a promise that he's got you. There's a promise that he's got you. There's a promise that he's got you. You're not going through this alone. This isn't an accident. God's not trying to figure your life out. He had a plan in the beginning. He's going to finish it in the end. God's not trying to figure some things out for you. He's already figured those things out for you. Now it's just a process. But as you go through it, he has every intention of making sure you become who he wants you to become. That you would reflect him. That you would show the world him. That's why, listen to me, I didn't say this in the first service, but I feel like some of you need to get this. I don't know why, but I feel like this is what God is saying for you. The world needs to see Christians suffer better because it's in our unknowing what is happening. Listen to me, it's in our unknowing what is happening. It's in our lack of knowledge and us going, God, I don't understand this, but it's in our remaining faithful when we don't understand that the world knows we believe what we told them we believe. When you go faulty, when things go crazy, it shows the world you don't really buy what you're selling. But when we remain faithful, despite not seeing God move, it shows the world that person's the real deal. The world needs to see us hold true to God, even when we don't understand, which brings me to my last person, my last thing that God is preparing to fulfill the purpose. 
God is preparing to fulfill the purpose. Why is this happening to me? Why am I going through these things? There's a reason. The totality of your purpose can never be appreciated in the season that you're clinging to the promise. Let me break that down for you. All of the purpose behind what you're going through can never be understood in the season that you receive the promise that God's going to show up. So you receive the promise in one season, but the purpose shows up in the next season. Which is why as long as you're clinging to this season because of the uncertainty of the next season, you're not delaying the promise, you're delaying the purpose of the promise. So what I'm here to tell you is, God wants to get you out of this season and into the next one because that's where it all makes sense. You're on your chapter, but God already finished the book. You can only read this page, but God's already written the rest. You just got to get there. And some of us are stopped reading one chapter of our lives because we don't like the way it's going. But I'm here to tell you, if you'll just keep reading, he's already finished what's ahead. He's already written what's ahead. So it's time that we turn the page. Listen to me, turn the page. Turn your neighbor and say, turn the page. Come on, like you believe it, say, turn the page. It's not about this chapter. Every book I've ever written, the chapter I was on didn't look good, but the purpose was in the next one. There was something better in the next one. There was something greater in the next one. And it's time we move through this season to get to the next one where we can see it all come together because God's not trying to figure it out. He already figured it out. There's purpose in the next season. And here's what I genuinely believe. I believe God's moving some of us into the next season. How many of y'all are saying, thank God? Because I'm done with that one. That's why I believe Ephesians 2.10 says this. We are God's workmanship. Some translations say masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God figured out as our life was going along. That's not what it says. Which God prepared beforehand. That translates to before time began. Before God created anything, he purposed everything. So before you got here, God already figured it out back there. So he already established what he aims to do with your life before the world ever began. He's not figuring it out as he goes. So, this is the question I want to help you out with as we wrap up, close for today. Because this is the reason for the season. Jesus was promised in the beginning for now so that we could see that he was going to be the one to deliver us through every single thing that we would go through. Jesus when we read about him coming as a baby in a manger and all that stuff, all that's true. All that's great. We're going to get to that next week. By the way, this week is part one, part week. Next week is part two. I just want to keep you all for an hour and a half, okay? So come back next week for the other half of this. But Jesus comes, baby in a manger, born to a virgin. All of that happened not to start something, but to finish something. To finish 
the idea that you couldn't control everything in your life and nothing was going to make it better. To finish the idea that sin had to take control of you and there's nothing you could do about it. To finish the idea that hell had to be your destination. To finish the concept that sin had to control your life. To finish all of those things. Jesus came on the scene to finish the thing that was supposed to own you so that Jesus could take control over your life so that he could help you flourish, that he could give you life. So here's a question. If God did all of this for your eternity, don't you think he's got your tomorrow? If God did all of this so that he could make sure that he had you for eternity, don't you think he's got today figured out? If God did all of this to keep you close to him forever, don't you think he can take care of whatever you're going to go through right now? I'm here to tell you, God's got it figured out. It's on us to trust him. So what in the world is going on? I have no idea. That was the punchline of the day. What in the world is going on? I have no idea. But I know who does. So let's put our confidence in Jesus. He's got it all figured out. Amen. Let's pray today. Father, we thank you that you've got it all figured out. (laughs) And here's the best part. You don't even need our help. You'll bring us into the process when it's part of your plan, but you've got it all figured out. So God, I pray for every person that's here that's still trying to figure some things out. I pray for every person that's here that is uncertain about the future. I pray for every person that's here whose anxiety has crippled them with uncertainty and fear. I pray, God, for those of us that have been trying to figure out, if you were trying to figure it out, God, we would, with great confidence, put our trust in the fact that you laid the foundation of the world. You've also got all of our stuff figured out. So God, for every person that's had sleepless nights, I pray that you help give them a complete rest through the power of your spirit. I pray that for every person that's been moved with anxiety because of uncertainty, you would help us realize that you've got everything taken care of. You've got all things under control. So help us put our confidence in you. Keep our eyes fixed on you. It's in your name we pray. With every eye closed, with your head bowed, today if you're here, and you know that there's something in your life, just like the rest of us, that separated you from God. There's sin in your life. And you know that you've had a hard time praying. You've had a hard time even coming to church. You've had a hard time getting close to God because you know there's some stuff that's just not right. But you're ready to say, all right, God, I want to put my faith in Jesus today that when he died on the cross, he paid for these sins so I can be close to you again. If that's you, very quickly, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me to say, Jesus, I'm putting my faith in you that when you died for me, you paid for my sins so that I could be close to you. So I put my faith in you. If you're ready to pray that prayer with me, I wanna invite you to repeat this prayer after me and the whole church is gonna pray it with you so you're not praying by yourself. Let's pray, church. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. I know I've messed up, but I give you my life. Jesus, I put my faith in you that when you died on the cross, 
you paid for my sins. So I give you my life. Make me brand new. Give me a fresh start. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. TC, let's put our hands together for all those that prayed that, perhaps for the first time. We celebrate with you.